Hello and welcome to another of MLEX's podcasts right here from our bureau in Hong Kong. I'm David Plott, MLEX's Managing Editor for Asia. If you're a newcomer to our podcast, we'd like to extend a very warm welcome. And if you've tuned in to us before, a very warm welcome back. Today, uh, we're taking a look at some startling developments in the country that's known for rampant corruption. It's also a country where the Anti-Corruption Enforcement Agency enjoys huge respect. That country is Indonesia. Just this week, lawmakers in Indonesia's parliament voted to make the Anti-Graft Agency's already tough job even tougher. They passed a law making the agency answerable to a hand-picked supervisory board. That new board will have a yes or no say over whether the agency can even carry out its wiretapping operations. Those operations have underpinned its stunning success in the fight against Indonesia's huge corruption problem. The agency is known as the Corruption Eradication Commission, or to give it its Indonesian acronym, the KPK. Here with me now to discuss how much corruption the KPK continues to be able to eradicate is Jet Damazo Santos, MLEX's Jakarta correspondent. Welcome to this podcast, Jet. Thank you, David, and hello from Jakarta. Good to hear you again, Jet. Uh, as you know, Indonesia has a long-standing reputation as a country riddled with corruption. It runs all the way from cops on the street to politicians at the highest levels and right through the business community. That's why the latest legislative assault on the KPK shocked Indonesians. And let's bear in mind that the KPK enjoys more public trust than any government body in the entire country. So what's behind this new bill aimed at limiting the independence and powers of the KPK? Well, first, you're right, David, in pointing out that the KPK enjoys a lot of public trust. The institution has frequently topped surveys of the most trusted government bodies in Indonesia. It ranks above the legislature, the national police, and even the office of the president. And that's largely because of how effective it has been in investigating and prosecuting some of the most corrupt government officials in the country. Over the past 17 years, they've jailed more than 200 national and local lawmakers. I think more than 80 mayors or district heads, over 20 ministers, some 20 governors, and even a sitting Speaker House of Representatives. So the KPK may only be hitting around 5 to 7% of all corruption cases in the country, but it is very strategic and it targets high-profile cases that make a big public impact. And that is precisely why we have this new law. The KPK is effective because it is powerful and independent. Its investigators can wiretap suspects without any need for court orders, and I know that's unusual for law enforcement agencies. But this often leads to operations where they arrest suspects right after a money drop. It also has its own prosecutors who bring the cases to special anti-corruption courts. So armed with clear evidence from wiretaps and the arrests, without any external coordination needed during the investigation and prosecution stages, it's easy to see how the KPK has a 100% conviction rate. Now, if you look at the key changes in the new law, you'll see that they are aimed at clipping KPK's powers and independence. The new supervisory board, which will be selected by lawmakers based on recommendations from the president, will now have to issue permits before any wiretaps can be done. 
And even if they do approve the wiretaps, you can see how this increases the risk that the information will be leaked. Under the new law, the KPK will also lose its status as an independent state body. It will become part of the executive branch of government and all KPK employees will be part of the civil service. So of course, critics are worried that this change will compromise the commission's ability to be a proper watchdog of the government. But Indonesia's president, uh, Joko Widodo, has a reputation as a clean politician, and he has since he was first elected. Now, why isn't he doing more to stop this? Yes, you're right. It has been surprising to see Jokowi let this law get passed so quickly. All of this happened within the space of just two weeks, which is unusually fast for Indonesia's legislature. But it's not actually the first time Jokowi has dropped a ball on the KPK. And the last time it was to accommodate his political party, which is called the PDIP. This was back in 2015, shortly after he became president. So he named a controversial individual for national police chief. Um, well, he nominated a controversial individual for national police chief. His name was Budi Gunawan, and he was a former adjutant of former president Megawati Sukarnoputri, who happens to be the head of his party. So just a few days after that, the KPK named Budi Gunawan a corruption suspect. And immediately, the police retaliated by digging up old complaints against two KPK commissioners and also naming them suspects, which eventually led to their suspension. While all of this was happening, Jokowi was criticized for steering clear. Um, I remember hashtags saying, where are you, Jokowi, were trending at the time. This time, I do think this was also the result of a political compromise. So lawmakers have been trying to get the KPK law amended for almost a decade now. And I think this time, they may have held some key pieces of legislation hostage in exchange for this. But it is surprising and disappointing. After Jokowi was re-elected in April, the expectation was that he would have more freedom from political pressures. Of course, he's saying the changes are meant to strengthen the KPK and that the supervisory board is needed to provide checks and balances, just like any government body has. But few people are buying that. Now, ironically, um, Indonesia's legislator, uh, legislature is widely considered one of the most corrupt political institutions in the country. Yet, as we know, the KPK is the most trusted. Given that public support, is there a chance that politicians' efforts to weaken the KPK will be pushed back? And how might that happen? Yes, David, there is a chance, actually. So there is a lot of public protests going on against this. And there are two ways activists can try to get rid of this law. First, they can challenge the substance of it through Indonesia's constitutional court. This is where people can challenge laws that they think are unconstitutional. I've been talking to anti-graft activists in Indonesia, and they say they're already preparing to challenge the law as soon as Jokowi signs it. This court has overturned a few controversial laws before, so there is actually a chance that the activists can succeed. Aside from that, critics can challenge it before the state administrative court. Here, they can question whether proper lawmaking procedures were followed. For example, I've seen questions raised over whether there was quorum in the legislature when the bill was voted on. At least 281 lawmakers are needed to reach quorum, but local media reports say there were only about 100 lawmakers present during that plenary meeting. At the same time, it will also be important to look at who will be appointed to the supervisory board. 
So Jokowi has said that he wants the members to come from community leaders, academics, or anti-corruption activists, not politicians, not bureaucrats, or active law enforcement officials. So if you get a good bunch of people on that board, the outcome might not be as bad as people fear. However, it's also important to note that the legislator has just named a police general with serious ethical questions as the new head of KPK. So there's still a lot of uncertainty about how all of this will play out. Now, all the bill uh, now needs to become law is the president's signature. Now, given his reaction to it so far, that seems like a mere formality. What impact do you see the law having on domestic and international efforts to fight corruption in Indonesia, particularly bribery involving public officials? Should multinationals with operations there be worried? So, yes, the fear is that a weakened KPK would embolden corrupt politicians. Corruption is already a huge risk that multinationals have had to learn how to either live with or avoid if they want to do business in Indonesia. But without the threat of the KPK watching them, exactly how brazen, how much more brazen will politicians be? Will it ever be possible to get a permit or a government contract, for example, without having to shell out bribes? Uh, the unfortunate thing is that this comes after years of Indonesia slowly improving its corruption perception scores. All this has been part of Jokowi's um, thrust to improve the country's attractiveness to foreign investors. And it has been making some progress. But obviously, this development will serve as a big setback. Now, what should we expect uh, in the months ahead in this battle between the KPK's supporters and those who want to weaken it? The first thing we'll see um, next month is the inauguration of a new government. Um, that is officially the start of Jokowi's second term as president. Uh, he will name a new cabinet, and alongside him, there will be a new batch of lawmakers. So this may change, this may somewhat change the political dynamics in the country. So Jokowi will be naming a selection committee to draw up a list of candidates for the supervisory board. Once they've drawn up a shortlist, this will be sent to the new batch of lawmakers who will then finalize and select the five members who will serve a four-year term. At the same time that this is going on, we can, of course, expect the activists to push through with their plan to challenge the law both in the constitutional court and the state administrative court. So this fight is far from over. We'll be hearing a lot more about this over the next few months. So the stage appears set for a real showdown between those who want the KPK to keep up its momentum and likely even build on that momentum in the fight against corruption in Indonesia and lawmakers from all parts of the political spectrum who seem bent on undermining it. From where I'm standing, you have to wonder why anyone would want to strip a much admired and effective anti-corruption agency of its power and independence. I guess the answer may be rather obvious, those who stand to benefit from the graft that has plagued Indonesia for most of its modern history. Jed, thanks very much for bringing us your insights on what seems to be a war on a war on corruption. You're welcome, David, and I do hope I can share better news next time. We're looking forward to that, Jed. Now, if you'd like to read our reporting on the fight against corruption in Indonesia, you can find it on our website. Head to mlexmarketinsight.com. Click on Insight Center, then click on Editor's Picks. I'm David Plot, 
Thank you very much for joining us today, and be sure to drop by again soon for another in MLEX's ongoing series of podcasts. Thank you.